0: And thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Community Connections Podcast. I'm your host, Cole Warner. Joining me today is Laura Fleming. She has made one other appearance on the podcast, not actually too long ago, right at the end of season two, but uh, she was so good, we just wanted to have her back. So Laura, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Cole.
0: Laura is one of our, well, she is our facility liaison, but she's one of our nurse liaisons that works on our patient access team. And just a little bit about what they do. They are in there working in our hospitals, in our facilities, and in our local physician's offices, working to help people who are getting ready for hospice services explain to them what that looks like, give them education and be that first layer of support for our families before we um, take their loved one into our care and and provide them comfort and quality of life. So Laura has a lot of experience in the topic we're talking about today. We're kind of getting back and continuing our little education series, as you could call it. And we're going to talk a little bit about patients who have uh, COPD, what that looks like for them and some of the challenges. So Laura, I guess let's just start with you explaining your experiences surrounding this diagnosis and and what you see in in, in our patients and, and those ready for our services.
1: Yeah, So with COPD, we all think shortness of breath, but it's hard to really understand until it's something you can relate to personally. So in nursing school, they actually utilize coffee straws. And you put that coffee straw in your mouth for about two minutes, and that's what you're breathing in and out of. And it kind of gives you a correlation to how a patient would feel who has COPD. So if you think how small that narrow opening is, it gets hard to breathe through that. And as time progresses, you're really feeling that time slowly, slowly tick by. And it gives you just kind of a personal experience to relate to it. Another thing I was thinking personally, was um, a couple of weeks ago, my daughter dared me going through a tunnel to hold my breath. And I can't lose a dare to my daughter. So I held my breath and I'm determined that I'm going to make it to the end of this tunnel. So I'm holding my breath in this tunnel. And of course, I see brake lights. So everything comes like to a halt. And I'm feeling like my anxieties start to go up. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to lose this bet with my daughter. Like She's going to win. I'm never going to hear the end of this. So with a lot of patients who have this shortness of breath feeling, they're going to get that anxiety feeling. They can't catch their breath and there's nothing they can do to really help themselves. And so they're panicking a little bit. So one thing actually that you're going to see is anxiety. And as a hospice nurse, that's something our nurses can help you with. There's medicine that can help with that. We can educate our patients and that's just a huge blessing. And Families and the patients' lives because they're panicking, like, why can't I catch my breath? Why am I having anxiety with this? And why is that making my breathing even worse? So, if we can help that anxiety feeling, it just helps them in their heart and physically as well. And another thing I was thinking about was these patients in COPD, they're going to have some highs and they're going to have some lows. So they're going to maybe bounce up one day, and you're going to be like, that's a different person than I saw yesterday. And then the next day might be another bad day. The next day, they're going to maybe pop back up, but they never pop back up as high as they did before. So it's kind of like a slow progression downhill. And as they're having these progressions, they're still having some good days, but the bad days are kind of becoming more frequent. And as that disease is progressing, it's hard to see those bad days become more frequent and your good days are less good than they were before. And that's hard even for family to see. Slowly you might see things change in a way like, if you think about brushing your teeth, that takes a lot of energy. Not only do you have to walk to the bathroom, but you have to also brush your teeth and that takes some of your breath away. And so you might slowly see them bring a chair into the bathroom they're like, you know, I'm going to brush my teeth while I sit down today. And that's what they use to help themselves. And so every day they might come up with a little trick here, a little trick there that helps them. They might put a chair in the shower and they're like, you know, that was a lot easier when I had that chair in that shower. And it just helps them because if you think about a shower, you have to not only get undressed, you have to walk to that shower. You got to get in that shower. You got to Wash your body, you gotta wash your hair, and then you have to do everything in reverse. That takes so much energy out of you. And so with these COPD patients, they might not mean to, but their hygiene might start to take a back step in their priorities because it's too hard to do these things they once were able to do. So if we kind of take a step back, we look at it and we say, you know, there's a reason they're doing the things they're doing. They don't want to start to maybe take care of themselves hygienically a little less. How can we help that? So with our hospice team, we have CNAs. They get to go in there. They can be like, don't stress. I can help you with that bed bath. I can do that for you. Just sit up and I've got your back. I'll do it. They can be like, Hey, I can help you brush your teeth. Don't go to the bathroom. Like I'll bring it to you. And there's so many aspects that hospice has thoughtfully done to kind of just help these patients in their home, in a facility where they might live. All of these places are their homes. So we want to come to them. We want to meet needs where they are and we want to help them. They don't have to feel embarrassed. They don't have to feel as anxious. Like we're here to bless you and help you. And so it's one of those things, just, we get to come in and offer outside perspectives. We get to bring our knowledge and be like, You don't have to continuously go to these doctor appointments. You don't have to go to all these hospital visits. That takes a lot of work within itself too. You got to get dressed. You got to walk to your car. You got to get in your car, transport, do all the things, go into the doctor's office. Why do that if we can come to you? We bring everything to you that you'll need. And we take care of you there where you are.
0: Well, and I imagine, especially early on, whether it's in our care, or uh, you, we talked. You talked about uh, you know trips to the doctor, trips to the hospital that you see because of that anxiety, and and I'll we'll circle back to the physical side of it. But I imagine there's a behavior change for the person too as well, right? They're not able to enjoy as much anymore, and it makes it harder to be willing to go out and do things. Can you talk about that sort of behavior change with, with yeah. uh, patients who have COPD? Yes.
1: Yeah, so actually, you're going to see a slow progression. Maybe in their home, they're gonna be like, you know what? Today I'm just gonna sit in my chair. I'm gonna just lounge here and it's take a breath, you know? And then the next day they might be like, you know what, I'm gonna bring the tissue box over. Cause yesterday I had to get up, go get that tissue box. So they're gonna set that next to them. And then slowly they might be like, you know what, I'm gonna bring the remote over here. I'm gonna bring my glass of water over here. I'm gonna slowly start accumulate all the things I might want or need around me. And they just kind of create all the necessities in like a circle around themselves. And so it prevents them having to get up and exert themselves because they're feeling the shortness of breath. And so if they have ways that they're slowly coming up with tricks to prevent that, it becomes a blessing. And they don't even realize they're doing it sometimes. And so you might walk in someone's home and they have just all the trays of things set around them. And, if they haven't thought of that, maybe you could even provide that suggestion because it does help prevent them from having to get up and grab things. It's just a really good idea.
0: Now, getting back to some of the more physical stuff, and and you're exactly right. Like like when you panic and have anxiety, it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because you already have a hard time breathing, and then you get anxious about getting up and having a hard time breathing. And so it kind of just keeps it going. And you, you talked about the medicines that we provide For people who are suffering from that, what are some of the other physical symptoms that COPD really, really affects someone with?
1: So one of the main issues you always think of is they're obviously feeling that shortness of breath. They're feeling that constriction. They're feeling just that inability to get the breath within their body that they want to just so badly be able to experience. So they're going to take all their previous medications and they're trying to help themselves. But some of these medications might slowly start to even lose their effectiveness. So we can come in in a nurse aspect and we can be like, you know what, let's try changing things up. Maybe you're not even using your nebulizer as you could. That would be a benefit to you. And we might give some suggestions like if you start to feel this way, go ahead and use that as neb treatment that you have. There's medications that are prescribed, and there's medications that they can take in an as-needed capacity. So we have stuff available that if they start to have symptoms, they can start using those. Um, and that way, it can just really help them physically, mentally.
0: On one of our previous episodes, when we talked about Alzheimer or dementia patients and the struggles that families go through watching that um, – Our guest, Megan Owens, described it as losing their loved one twice. And that was being a big struggle for them with that particular diagnosis. What are some of the things that you see families struggle with when their loved one has COPD?
1: So you're really struggling because they're not able to do the things that they once could do for themselves. They're having to slowly back off of some of these activities of daily living that they could perform previously before they had no trouble brushing their teeth. It's things that we take for granted daily that we can do for ourselves or family can do for themselves that slowly their family member who has COPD, they no longer can do for themselves. So it's taking that step back and figuring out why can't they and how can I help them? What can I bring to them, to their plate to try to help alleviate some of that stress and some of that burden on them? How can I actually be a benefit instead of a burden to them? So they can if it's at the beginning of a disease progression with COPD, they can still do things for themselves. It's just that they might need little breaks in between. So family can be a little bit more patient and be like, we aren't in a hurry. Let's take that. Let's sit down for a couple minutes. Let's catch our breath and then we'll resume what we were doing before. And as that disease is progressing, that outing that they're trying to do, It might be different than it was previously. Today, we might need to take a much longer break than we did the day before. We might need to sit down. So giving that time, giving that patience and understanding and just really seeing how they're feeling, don't push them to a point where they can't catch their breath and they just feel so anxious that they almost have trouble catching up to that. Give them that time, give them that patience and understanding and let them tell you when they're ready to do something.
0: You know, we think of of that as being a burden as we sort of go along and you watch them sort of lose that capacity, right? To do the basic and daily things that, and that now they need more time and care from families or from, you know, paid caregivers or, or whatever that might look like. I imagine that families have a difficult time adjusting to that too. The more time needing spent to care because of course they want to take care of their loved one. They want to give them. The caregivers to be able to take care of their person, but that's not easy, right?
1: Right. And it's hard because you have an expectation as to how your day should go, how things should go. And we all like to plan things out and we like to kind of put time constraint on things. So if your family member's taking extra time, it creates stress on the family as well, because they're having to slow down and take a step back things that aren't affecting them are affecting their loved one. And so they just really have to understand and be there for them. The patient with COPD, if they had a really bad exacerbation where they couldn't catch their breath doing an activity such as gain a shower the day before, they might be more nervous to get a shower today. They might, even if it's a good day, they might be more nervous to do these things that they once had no trouble doing. And so it's that extra patience and understanding to really understand how they feel. And as a hospice team, it's so great because not only can we educate the patient what they might see as that disease is progressing, but we can kind of educate the family and warn them things they might start to see and give them suggestions such as, bring that stuff around them. Don't make them get up. Don't make them go grab that remote control. It's not helping them, it's actually hurting them. And we can really just educate them and be their support system and a family and a team.
0: What I hear from you is a lot of that anxiety creates a behavior change, right? And then that has effect on the entire system. We're going to do an episode talking about repeat hospitalizations and and what that looks like when you have a, a disease process. COPD, it sounds like to me, especially with the trouble breathing, that that can be very scary to see someone go through, that that can often lead to repeat hospitalizations, especially if, if they're not being managed medically well, or that they don't have consistent help, right? Can you talk about what you see with that, especially, you know, from our, in in our hospitals?
1: So prior to people starting hospice, typically we do see a patient with COPD has increased their hospital visits drastically. Family members start to get nervous because they're like, hey, they aren't doing the things they could do before. They can't catch their breath. And they might be losing weight because eating even takes a lot of breath out of you. Taking drinks takes a lot of breath out of you. They might not want to make a whole meal. They might want to start to make meals that are easier to chew, that it's not having to be like a 20-bite chew to be able to swallow this food. They might want something like, hey, that dissolves in my mouth. That's super, I'm happy. And so you might see some weight loss. You might see a lot of issues just kind of spiraling within this COPD issue that's happening. And so families are taking them to the hospital a lot more frequently. And as a hospice team, if we can help prevent that hospital visit, if that family is worried, hey, something's going on, they need a hospital visit, they don't have to call 911. They can call us. Right when they call us, we're going to come out there. A nurse, I don't care if it's 3 a.m. I don't care if it's 7 a.m., 6 a.m., 8 p.m. We're going to come to you. We're going to come help you see what's going on. We're going to do everything in our power to help you. There's a lot of medications that, as a hospice team, we call it our emergency medication kit. We bring these into your home, and some people get nervous. They're like, we don't need that. You might not need it now, but if in the future you need it and it's 3 a.m., it might be hard to find a pharmacy that's open. I'd rather have that medicine available if I'm coming to your home at 3 a.m. to suggest, hey, let's go get that medicine we brought you as an, just in case. Let's get that. Let's try that. And if it helps, that's a blessing. You don't have to panic about these medications we're bringing in. Um, people with pain even, they maybe haven't taken a Tylenol in their entire life. And so if they've never taken a Tylenol, they don't need a drastic medication to help that. They don't need all these things. And so they get nervous, but we start these medications at baby doses and we bump it up as they need. We don't have to be like, oh, that's not helping. Let's give it two more weeks. We instantly, we're like, hey, let's change it. Let's meet you where you are. And that's the huge blessing in my eyes of hospice care is we're finding that person. We're seeing you as an individual. We aren't necessarily just looking at you as you are a COPD patient. We are looking at your entire picture. We're looking at your family. We're trying to see how we can help you, how we can help your family. Our social worker gets involved, our CNAs get involved, our chaplain gets involved if you want. Everyone is a team. We are here for you and we wanna make your life more joyful and easier on you.
0: Well, in 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 our first episode along this series, we talked about you know what it takes to be you know medically certified uh, for hospice by a physician with a prognosis of of six months or less if a disease takes its normal course. But COPD patients are ones who really they can receive hospice for a little bit longer than maybe some of the other diagnoses that that under comfort care they mm-hmm. seem to do better with the quality of life pieces that you're just talking about us providing. Is that that correct?
1: Yeah, it kind of goes hand in hand with what I said earlier, how that disease process is kind of like a bouncing ball, if you picture that first bounce, it goes really high. That second bounce doesn't go so high. The third bounce a little less high. If you add an extra bounce to it hey we figured out medicine that is really helping you we figured out that nebulizer treatment's actually really beneficial we taught you when to use it you weren't using it at the correct time before it's adding an extra little bounce from above to that ball maybe it is able to then bounce a little higher and then again maybe we have to reevaluate things and that way we can keep continuously helping you maybe bounce that ball so we can keep helping it hopefully elevate a little higher so it's one of those things, you don't have to be fearful of when we suggest medication changes. Yes, maybe something's been working forever, but maybe it's not working as well as something else could. And so be willing to listen to our suggestions and try it and give it all the effort. And hopefully it does help because we're here to help you.
0: Well, Laura, thank you so much for, for talking about this and, and really giving some perspective on how important it is to be pre- what I heard there is is we want to be present for our patients and listen and hear them, providing that personal, individualized care. And, and you know that's really what we're all about. So you know I really appreciate you giving that perspective to close this. If I gave you sort of a chance to say one message to to families who maybe have one someone who has a terminal illness such as COPD, what would that message be to them?
1: You are not alone. Call us. We will do all we can. We'll help you. We'll give you all the tips, all the benefits, all the blessings we can give you. We'll help you understand what's happening. It's hard when you're facing something. You do tend to feel alone, and we internalize a lot. You don't have to have that. You do have a team of people who are here for you and for your loved one, and we'll help.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this with our patients and and our community and and our families and. Um, all that you do, you, you know, I neglected to say when, when we got on, you, when we were first introducing you that you've been here almost two years and, and, uh, I know you work primarily in, in our facilities. So, uh, if you see, if you haven't experienced with Laura, I know that it'll be really, really great because she does a lot of wonderful things for, for our facility patients here, uh, in Davidson County. So, uh, appreciate you coming on with us, Laura.
1: Thank you, Cole.
0: And if you like what you heard, please rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts.